All right. Welcome, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Frogs of War podcast. My name is Ryan Bennell, and alongside me is my co-host, Anthony North. We are back to talk some Horn Frog sports. We're going to get into it. We got a lot of quick news hits to cover, ranging from TCU soccer off to a hot start, TCU volleyball season getting underway. And of course, we're going to be talking football with a big game coming up on Friday. Game one, it's finally week one is here. We talked about it for, I don't even know, like the past three, four episodes, how excited we were for football. It's finally among us. Nebraska Northwestern gave us our first little taste, which we don't even need to get into. But uh, we're also going to be talking about depth chart reactions, predictions for Friday's game, a little bit more in detail than we did when we did our season-long predictions, uh, as well as looking around the country at some games in the Big 12, as well as non-conference games. So let's go ahead and get started with some quick news hits. Anthony, what do we got? All right, first thing. Yeah, first, I mean, we made it to week one. I can't believe it's game week. Yeah. It's, I'm just like super pumped. So you, you're probably going to hear us just, you know, nerding out and being super giddy on this podcast. So Yeah, I feel like a uh, candy shop. Yeah, for sure. So uh, I guess first thing of news hits. So this week uh, starts a new program on ESPN Plus called Carter Boys, a hard knock style behind the scenes um, all access documentary series um, about TCU football, following them uh, through camp and through the season. So this is uh, this is super cool and, and something that uh, is never would have happened in the past. And and it's exciting to get this kind of access to the players and really uh, kind of getting to know the personalities of this team um, on a. Uh, a national scale that this, this will be, you know, anybody in the world will be able to access. So uh, just incredibly cool for, for the program to have this opportunity to be, to be put on the the, the front stage here. Yeah. Do you know, have they done any other like docuseries like this for college football programs? Uh, I don't know about football. I, I think there like, was a Baylor wow. basketball one. Okay. But yeah, I don't know that they've done a football program yet. Yeah, because I was thinking like, man, that's really cool, you know, <laughs> like that, like one of like the first ones is TCU. So, yeah, I've been super big on these kind of all access docuseries. Like what, the huge one is Formula One Drive to Survive. That one blew up across the country. And then a lot of people kind of started replicating it with other stuff like Amazon is doing an all or nothing on Premier League teams. Uh, I'm a big Arsenal fan, so they just did Arsenal. is really cool. But and so yeah, I'm excited to see this. That was a good one. Yeah. 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 Like, the, like all these, I don't know. I just love seeing it. You know, like you said, you get to see their personalities. You get to see stuff that you would never see normally on TV or in print writing. And so, yeah, it, it's really cool. I'm excited for it. And it's, it's crazy to think too, how we've kind of harped on in our previous era of football access was very limited, just all around the board. Access was pretty limited. Whereas now <laughs> first year of the Sonny Dykes era, and we're already getting, an all access docuseries. Sonny's just like giving the green flag for it. I love it. You know, man, shoot. I'm thinking even about like when I was in school way back in, in the ancient times to even get a TCU football game on TV. Some of the games were not broadcast. They were on channels you've never heard of. You had to like get your cable company to set up like a special channel to get the outdoor life network. And you know, to, to come from that to, yeah, having a, a, a full access ESPN show uh follow you around is eh, it's pretty cool it's it's come a long way yeah that is pretty neat i'm curious to see how exactly it's gonna work you know if it's gonna kind of follow through the progress of the 2022 season or 
maybe just training camp stuff. I don't really know yet, but it'll be exciting to see. So that's on Thursday. Uh, I'll definitely be watching that when it comes out. Yeah, yeah. And this, uh, so we're recording this podcast uh, Tuesday night. So Hard Knocks is probably on right now as we're recording. So uh, maybe a, a feature on there right now, but um, former frog Obina Eze was kind of one of the feature players. Uh, you know, they they follow the big stars and then they follow some of the undrafted guys or, or rookies that, that are right on the fringe. And, um, you know, he, he has a very interesting story and, and, um, you know, they, they did a good job following him through there. He was kind of one of the stars through the first few episodes. And, um, you know, I don't know if it'll be on today's episode, but the roster was released today and he did not make the final 53 for the lions. Um, so disappointing there, but you know we'll see. He's he's definitely made an impact and, and made himself known to uh, to the NFL world and the fans. So you know hopefully he gets a shot somewhere after being released. Yeah, and a lot of times it seems like those guys that are you know like big characters on the show like Hard Knocks, they do tend to kind of stick with it. They're one of the known guys at least within the league maybe that could sign a spot on the roster somewhere else. So yeah, all, hoping for all the best for him, but. Uh, all right. Yeah. So sticking with football, like we said, uh, the week one depth chart was released. Uh, Anthony had an article up about it not too long ago, uh, which we'll get more in depth on it. We'll kind of take a whole look at it, talk about it a little bit. Um, but the main thing is you might have noticed is that the Frogs are expected to play all three quarterbacks in the season opener. Yeah, we can't bury the lead here. I mean, we've been talking about it for for yeah. all offseason about who is going to be the quarterback, and we still don't know. Um, it's, I guess, it's great that we have these is. three guys that uh, everybody has confidence in, and everybody's expressing. You know, it maybe there's a little bit of gamesmanship here. Maybe it's a it's still trying to, you know, play things tight and and and. Maybe truly there are three different packages that the three guys are yeah. are going to run. I mean, officially on the depth depth chart, it's it's Duggan or Chandler Morris as the yeah. starter, and Sam Jackson is third. But but Dykes has made it clear that he intends to play all three of the guys. So um, I I have no idea how this is going to shake out, and yeah. you know it it is a little bit scary going on the road to a power five team and, and kind of testing out three quarterbacks. Um, but yeah, that's what I was kind of thinking too. Like I, I totally understand in maybe like a tight QB battle, like say if it was just Morris and Duggan kind of totally understand playing both of them week one, even though maybe like you said, power five opponent on the road, a little dicey, but I don't think I've ever heard of a power five culture ball team playing three quarterbacks intentionally in one game. So, you know, I have faith in it though. I trust him, whatever he's thinking, I trust it'll pan out. I bet, like you said, they're probably going to have very different packages for the three quarterbacks uh, in that one, especially just to keep Colorado on their toes defensively. But yeah, I don't know what to think. I don't know if this is, I saw one tweet, I forgot who it was, but it was like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. If you have three quarterbacks, you have five. That's Einstein's theory <laughs> or something like that. Like, So I don't know. Um, hopefully this will be the best way to determine who comes out of it. But I don't know how to feel. I don't really – I'm kind of at a loss for words for it, you know? Well, it's a, it's a little bit anticlimactic. I think yeah. we have been expecting this, like, 
uh, you know, big Twitter video reveal with like QB one. Yeah, which that's whomever they do that. So yeah. We, yeah, I mean, those are always super cool, and it's it's been fun to see those from around the country. But uh, we didn't get that, and we're we're going to continue to get this um, this co-starter situation. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see on Friday. But yeah. I think either way. I'm still feeling pretty good about the frogs this weekend, but of course we'll get. If it doesn't work out, it'll be a huge talking point. If it does work out, it'll be a huge talking point. This is, you know, the the quarterback position is obviously going to, to be super important to the success of the team through the season. So yeah, we'll just have to see how it turns out. Yeah. I mean, Hey, it's a win-win for us. You know, the lead is already there. It's already written. You know, (laughs) we went with three quarterbacks or we lose with three quarterbacks. Like that's the lead right there. Um, but all right, yeah, so moving on now, we'll get more in depth uh, on the depth chart, no pun intended, in just a little bit. But to continue some of the quick news hits, TCU soccer off to a very hot start. Not so surprising. It's, I mean, yeah, they tied their first match, but it was against a good team, good Wisconsin team, you know. But now they've just had three absolutely beautiful wins, including a 7 to nothing domination against Santa Clara. And if you don't know, Santa Clara was a final four team last season. Yeah. So they won the national championship in 2020. They yeah. final four 2021 into the 22 season in the top five. And the frogs put up seven goals on them. Seven nil. Yeah. Seven. Like that's even better. Cause you know, like the meme in soccer is the Germany, Brazil, you know, seven yes. one. From yes. that. It's better than that. Like what? <laughs> So, yeah, this is – I'm happy. You know, this is going to be a great team again this year. They found it. Whatever that little slow start offensively was in the first game, um, they fixed fixed it. They figured it out. Yeah, I mean, this this team is is on fire. I mean, yeah, that that first game against Wisconsin was – TCU had all of the the momentum, all of the scoring chances, Mm -hmm. and they were dominating possession and and on the front foot – earning a, a bunch of corners and all of that and just couldn't get one passed and then picked up a red card that was questionable about just after halftime. So, you know, even to come out of that one with a, a zero, zero draw down yeah. a player for half the game um, was, was still an okay result. Um, and through a half against Minnesota, we're down one, nothing. And yeah, uh, was looking like uh okay, hey, when, when's this going to happen? And then it did. And, and then it did and, again. And then, and then it did again. And uh, kind of back-to-back right in like the last 10 minutes of the game. So, uh, and and they haven't slowed down since. Um, yeah, it was two goals within 90 <laughs> seconds of each other. Yeah, and then, yeah, the the 7-0 win was just, yeah, watching that game was just freaking out. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, and, and then followed it up with an away win at, at UT Rio Grande Valley, which, you know, is, is not a top team or anything, but won that one five zero also. So, you know, they've given up one goal over, over four games, 14 to one is their goal differential through, uh, through four games. So very impressive stuff so far. Yeah. And I also thought it was wild because Santa Clara, like we said, you know, national champions, 2020 final four last year. They started the season one and one and were they fell out of the rankings in the uh, United Soccer Coaches Bowl, which is mind blowing after because, I mean, you know, if you 
pay attention to soccer. That's not how it works. You don't you lose one game, you don't just instantly drop. You know, it's like college basketball. If you lose one game, you're not just gonna fall out of the top 25. So even though they weren't technically in like the main poll top that's 25, a top program. This is a top program. Like they're still a top 10 team or should have been ranked a top 10, but not so much anymore after getting stomped by the frogs, baby. All right. Anyway, though, uh, some newcomers to watch. Speaking of just TC soccer uh, that really shined in that Santa Clara game and have been looking fantastic all season already is two in particular is seven Castain and Tyler Iskrig. They are going to be beasts. Eric Bell has done such a good job of recruiting over the past few years. It's nuts. I mean, they're like for this to be their fourth game and for them to contribute as much as they've contributed already, create chances left and right. It's phenomenal. Like we saw it last year with Cameron Lancaster. Cameron Lancaster, as soon as she came in, she had a spark, created chances left and right, was just an energizer bunny running around. And it's like, yes, that is, you love to see that. And it's great. It's great additions to the team. So the depth yeah. on this team is, is insane. I mean, every substitution that comes on is a star contributor. Um, yeah. Like you said, these true freshmen coming in there, you know, first through fourth ever college games yeah. for TCU and and they're already already superstars contributing in a in a huge way. So yeah, the depth of bringing back so much talent. Messiah Bright will talk about Gracie Bryan, Cam Lan- Lancaster uh it, and then adding these freshmen that are 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 just incredible talents. I mean, watching Tyler Isgrig on these set pieces and corner kicks. I mean, that first goal against Minnesota, yeah. she kicked from the corner. It was technically given, I think, actually to Seven Castain as the goal scorer. But I think it it should it have been a winner. Yeah. It, it was it a curler, and and she did that another time in in the Santa Clara game, and she had one in, um, I think it was the UTRGV game that was from the set piece outside the box. And it it hit the post, but it was it was incredible. So if she's stepping up to a set piece, it, it you know get your popcorn ready. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, like um, already to be. It seems like she's kind of becoming the set piece specialist. You know, so like already that's phenomenal. Yeah, I mean so. she she's still coming off the bench, so yeah. she's you know she's not starting, but she's playing a lot. And yeah, yeah, every opportunity when she's in the game and it's it's a corner or a set piece, she's she's stepping up to take it. Yeah, love to see that. And speaking of stars, not so much a rookie freshman, but Messiah Bright again um, in the UTRGV game. Scoring a hat trick for the second time of her career, making her now the first ever Horned Frog to uh, score multiple hat tricks for TCU soccer. So that is a really cool achievement. And looking ahead uh, this week, TCU soccer's got USC on the road on Thursday, as well as another big one. I'm loving these big games at Garvey Rosenthal. Man, this schedule this year is great. They set up a crazy schedule. Yes. Yeah, this is awesome. And so last but not least is Duke. Uh, at home that's Sunday right Sunday Sunday night get to Garvey Rose at all one dollar tickets y'all one you have, you have no excuse one dollar tickets one dollar sodas get to the game you just that's you know crazy. I'm not trying to show for TCU here but it's the best ticket in town you you've got yeah, the, that is... uh, you know a top five matchup uh, what else are you gonna do with go a dollar you know come yeah. on yeah it's a great time it's a great atmosphere 
Um, but yeah, so just overall, based on what we've seen in the first couple weeks of the season, this is a tournament team. Like, bottom line, this is a tournament team. TCU soccer looks really good. Uh, they're not dropping off anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, I think you have to say they're set up for a third straight trip to the the Sweet 16. I mean, yeah. this, this team is clearly at that level. That has to be the it, the, the minimum goal uh, for a team with this much talent. Yeah, they, they definitely want that that final four. They definitely want to get there, make the College Cup. So, But it, like I said, I think that the Sweet 16, although, you know, not to put like high standards or pressure, but I mean, re- realistically, they're they have to know that that's the standard. I mean, they've is, set that standard yeah. for the program and, and they have to know that that's that's the expectation that they've come in with for this season. Yeah. All right. And Living then, up to it so far. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And last but not least on uh, just some overall TCU news, TCU volleyball uh, started their season not too long ago. Uh, Drew had a season preview up on the site a bit a while back and not as much of a hot start as TCU soccer. They got two games and two losses under their new coach so far. So yeah, I mean, they, they set themselves up with uh, hosting this this kind of big-time tournament, uh, Big Ten, Big 12 showdown um, to, to kick off the season. And, yeah, it ended up being two top-five teams that came into Shawmire. And, um, yeah, you know, it, it, it was going to be a challenge for the Frogs, and they, they, they fought pretty hard, but it's, it's, you know, you're coming up against – I don't know, maybe defending national champion, I think Wisconsin and, and Minnesota are both top five teams. And that's a, that's a tough place to start your, uh, your new era as a new head coach with, (laughs) with two top five squads coming up against you. But, um, you know, I think better days ahead, certainly for, for that program. Yeah. You always got to give a little bit of time cushion. You can't jump to conclusions or anything, especially against two top five teams with a new regime. So, yeah, we'll, we'll uh, definitely be on the lookout for improvements along the season, and we'll touch on it every uh, now and then on the site and on the podcast probably. So, all right, now we're on to the big juicy part, and that is football, what we've all been waiting for. And I'm going to do a little bit of technology right here, and I'm going to – if you're watching this on YouTube, this portion will make more sense. But, of course, we're going to try our best to explain on audio like we always do. <clears throat> Um, but I'm going to be pulling up the official week one depth chart for TC football. I just got to get my tab shared and there we go. All right, here, I'll zoom in a little bit. There we go. That looks a lot better. You can see it, Anthony. I can see it on the screen. Yes. All right, sweet. So I don't really know where to begin. I mean, I guess kind of off the bat, quarterbacks like we already talked about you know that's the that's the big thing right there's the big or next to it you know yeah yeah and we we talked through it i think a a few things just jump out looking at this and we've talked about how uh kind of releasing weights and heights from the athletic department you know take it with a little bit of grain of salt but man this is a big squad the receivers are big. Yeah. The the linemen are big. We're talking about everybody's over six three, you know, three hundred pounds. 
um, the, the receivers all like six foot plus 200 pounds, um, you know, except for your slot receivers. So, uh, it, these are, this is a big, scary team. Is this um, the, it's it's this the get off the be... bus, uh, you know, frightening fear that, that you hope to, to put into Colorado stepping into Folsom field on Friday. This has got to be the biggest offensive line. I think I've ever seen in TCU. The shortest, the shortest is 6'3", 285. That's it's absurd. Nuts. Yeah, that's this is like some Wisconsin, I don't know, like corn fed, you know, big beefy boys. Like, oh, I'm I'm excited for that. That's huge. And the depth on it too is just absurd. And yeah, like you said, the receivers just from top to bottom in every position. Like every single one of these guys is capable of making a big play. Quentin Johnson, Blair Conright, Quincy Brown. All of them at the X slot. Beautiful. Love it. Tay Barber, Darius Davis, Gunnar Henderson now. Love it. Give it. Give me all of them. I want all of them to get catches on Friday. I yeah, think they so, definitely can. Oh, oh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, and, and we'll get into our discussion on the game here in a bit. But that's that's where I'm seeing the game going. Um, but on the depth chart, so um, looking at the offensive line, the, the first thing that jumps out here is that Steve Avila, who has been the center for the Horn Frogs the past few seasons, he's been on Remington watch lists and all of that, um, getting getting high praise nationally. He has moved over from center and slid over to the left guard spot, um, leaving uh, Alan Ali as, as the center, the SMU transfer. Um, so he... Uh, press conference this week he spoke about it a little bit just you know saying all of the guys on the offensive line are are very versatile and able to play multiple positions said you know he's played right guard a bunch in his career and he's get been getting just tons of reps all through fall at at left guard and um you know feels very comfortable with his spot there and and comfortable with Ali's performance at center so um you know I don't know if that's we, we've kind of been hearing and we'll talk about more of it in, in some other positions, but hearing about, uh, you know, a, a lot of guys who have played a lot of football, maybe, um, you know, it would get fresh eyes with the new coaching staff and, and moving people around to doing different things or, or putting new, new folks up at the top of the depth chart. So um, it's, it's one of the first things that pops out um, as, as kind of a, a major change from what maybe you would have expected to see. Yeah, and I'm I'm also a little bit surprised to see the uh, the or for the first string right guard. I'm I thought it would kind of be Wes Harris off the bat. Yeah, for sure. I think that's been that's been the expectation for a while is that he would he would kind of really grow into that spot as as a no doubt starter and and not sure and and something just generally about this depth chart and depth charts that you'll see from around the country it's not always how it's going to play that just yeah, because you're listed you're right. as the starter doesn't mean you're getting the most snaps, all of that kind of thing. And, and some of these oars may be, you know, injury question may be, you know, sending a message. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that we're going to get as much as that as we used to with the Gary Patterson depth charts were very cryptic in nature. Um, so it, it's hard to tell. So we'll, we'll find out how it kind of shakes out. Um, Let's see here. So, uh, yeah, I think offensive line. We've gone through receivers. Uh, yeah, I guess I mean, just just on receivers uh, before we 
finish scrolling down on on the offense. Yes, it's Quentin Johnston as the as the starter at the X with Blair Conright listed behind him. But like you said, Conright and Brown are are both going to play a bunch and yeah. probably have a big impact on Friday and through the season. Um, same is the case at slot receiver where Tay Barber, Darius Davis, and Gunnar Henderson are all three listed as co-starters. Um, we've we've all heard through all of fall camp and seen that that they will each get a plenty of run from from that spot um and would expect them to be big contributors in this offense um one really exciting surprise um maybe not a surprise but uh Sevion Williams as the starter at the other wideout spot um I think we've all been really looking for the breakout from Savion Williams and I'm excited to see that he's earned this start and that he definitely will have an opportunity to have that breakout that, that we've kind of been waiting for. Um, big guy, six, five, two fifteen is how he's listed on the death chart here. And um, yeah, he's so he's, he's going to tower size. over folks. And, and uh, I, I think, as that compliment to on the other side of, of QJ, it's it's going to be hard to stop if he really has developed into that that other starter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he, he's a beautiful combination of size and speed. So I I think he's going to have a pretty big year as well. Um, but yeah, like you said, I think we're going to see a lot of wide receiver rotation this year. Pretty much every play, we might see two or three even different receivers than the last play. You know, just because. Why not keep fresh legs on the field if all these guys can go out there and make the plays? So yeah, and that's that's actually something Coach Dyke spoke to specifically on. Uh, he wants everybody to give their one hundred, you know, le- play this play with as if it's the only play you're going to play. Yeah. Um, so with the ability to know that somebody can step right in behind you and, and give you the breather, um, and and we not take any kind of drop off. So. That's something that definitely the team is is looking for. And, you know, it kind of shows in the the running back depth chart here. It was was a surprise to see a four-way co-starter, three ors. So you've got Kendra Miller yeah. or Amari DiMarcardo or Trent Battle or Amani Bailey as the starters. And I don't know uh, how I feel about this. Like, I get the or after Kendra Miller, but I think Kendra Miller kind of has to be the – the one yeah this this is uh you know dykes positioned it as a you know it'll be a running back by committee and we we everybody gives a different kind of look to the defense and and that kind of thing i'm a little bit and this is not like inside information maybe it's just speculation maybe i shouldn't even say it but it's it's i i feel like this is a little bit of somebody is a a little nicked up somebody might have a little bit of an injury and won't be a hundred percent here. I don't know if, if Kendra's at a hundred percent, but because yeah, we we've said it on this podcast before that we thought Kendra was a clear one. And yeah. if anything, Amani Bailey would be that one B um, mm-hmm. and then everybody else would be battling for the, the, the touches behind that. And so to see that it's more of a four-way split, I still expect the actual carries to not be evenly split. Um, and even, you know, I, I bet Corey Wren might get some run as well. So 
we'll see, but it, it it's a little bit concerning because I think as a runner, we would have expected Kendra to to really be Take the number over. one guy. Yeah, yeah. I don't really know exactly what to think about it because it, it, it's also interesting too to see Trent Battle in the same mix as Bailey and DiMarcado because, you know, that's the uh, quarterback switchover. You know, he right. was a quarterback recruit, three-star, I believe, uh, out of high school. He's like the number – in the 20-something uh, dual-threat quarterback. And so he – he can run, I guess. You know, maybe he's one of those Trayvon Boykin type players that can throw him a receiver, throw him a running back, and he's just an athlete. So that'll be interesting to watch too if he really gets a significant share of the carries. Um, that'll be kind of unexpected, honestly. Like I wasn't really thinking about that going into the season, but now that it's there in the face, we'll see what happens on Friday. All right, so I guess that's that's pretty much it for offense. I mean, not, no really giant – surprises stand out um but other than the fact that carter Ware is going to have a 1000 yard season this year you've heard (laughs) it's happening this is a carter Ware fan club uh and (laughs) all right anyway though on to the defense um so looking at the defensive line uh kind of resonates with what we said about the offense and the receivers the depth man it's it's beautiful i mean a decent amount of returners as well. You know, look, Dylan Horton, Colt Ellison, George Ellis, Terrell Cooper, Sony Misi, all these guys are returners. And then you got a couple transfers. Uh, I I know I'm going to butcher this, but while Ugwak, the uh, transfer from Connecticut, uh, you got Tymon Mitchell, the transfer from Georgia, uh, who's probably the biggest name that's uh, come in. So, yeah, and a lot of – there's a lot of freshmen on the depth chart as well. There's literally like, I think seven or eight freshmen that uh, are not on the depth chart, but on the official roster sheet. So this is a very deep unit. And I, even though we lost O'Shawn Mathis. Yeah. Uh, we lost um, Kari Coleman. Yeah. But they, they are great players, but look, O'Shawn Mathis finished the year with four sacks last year. That's really Did- not that absurd. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if O'Shawn Mathis knew that Nebraska was playing this week. They, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I didn't even they had I a game. I heard his they, name like were, one time. They were playing? I don't know. The whole team you know, was see, I was going to say, Scott Frost still doesn't know they had a game. <laughs> <laughs> He's still thinking about that onside kick after they went up by 11. Goodness. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the the most interesting and notable thing from from the defensive line part of this, first of all, the three down linemen. Uh, officially on the depth chart. Oh um, yeah, so that's that's yeah. a change, obviously from our uh, you know four two five that was Definitely. always run in the past. But um, notably at nose tackle, Dominic Williams, the true freshman, um, earns the starting spot over senior Sony Misi. Um, I think through fall practice that shouldn't be a surprise. But but you know probably going into the season would have expected Misi to to be the starter. And obviously at, at, at nose tackle, you're going to get a lot of rotation. So they will both be playing a ton. Um, but great to see Dominic Williams earn that spot and, um, you know, expecting big, big things from him this season. Yeah. And even the nose tackle defensive end, there's going to be a ton of rotation, like just, especially in the, I guess we haven't really seen it yet, uh, you know, in the three 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 five, but I would expect there to be even more rotation probably than in what we're used to with the four two five. But 
Yeah, and going on the linebackers, D. Winters, love to see that. Jamoy Hodge, love to see that. Johnny Hodges, this is also – I mean, that seems to be the name of the game right now. It's just – we have a lot of depth this year. The Frogs have a lot of depth. Um, the situation where, you know, if somebody goes down, you're really not taking a big drop-off from one guy to the next, uh, just looking at this depth chart, you know. So – Definitely, obviously, going to be led by D. Winters for the most part, uh, this unit. But I think this is going to be another solid year, especially, I don't know, how do you think it's going to work with, you know, like Jamoy Hodge and Shadrach Banks, uh, you know, both in the middle slot? Yeah, I mean, I I think not surprised at all to see Hodge and Johnny yeah. Hodges as, as the starters, obviously, D. Winters. Um, and I think Banks will get some run. And and maybe he's made big strides. You know, we we all remember the big play against Baylor, but yes, he yeah. didn't he didn't play a whole lot. Yeah, I, it's it's nice to kind of so you know remember. he's a name everyone knows because he was a big time recruit and and he was recruited as a wide receiver to Oklahoma and then makes his way to to TCU. So, but to see that he's made the two deep there um seems to be positive signs i think the other thing from linebacker is and and really for uh, across this depth chart is we don't um oh goodness i just lost his name the the, the linebacker from lsu um the five-star guy marcel brooks yes is not listed say, is not listed on the uh is not listed on the depth chart and and seems to be an injury concern but uh appears to be that he will not be playing in this first game. So that's unfortunate because um, it looked like he was ready to, to be a big contributor. Yeah, and I'm really excited to see. I want to see him so bad, you know, just ever since he's come from LSU. Like, he's been <clears throat> playing, but just never really had, like, a full opportunity kind of. So I'd love to see that. But with or without, I think this is a very solid uh, linebacker core going into week one. And going on now to the secondary, I don't think there's really many surprises here. Um, you know, with well, eh. I'd say there's I'd say there's there's two big things to talk about here. First is at at the cornerback at one cornerback spot is Josh Newton. That's what I was gonna say. The transfer Daniels. from Monroe, Louisiana yeah. Monroe, over Daniels. gets gets put as the starter over Noah Daniels, um, and there there were there were pretty good whispers that this was going to happen. Um, and again, I don't know if it, it's a little bit of injury, something with Noah Daniels that, that seems to always be the case. Um, but I really think, I think Newton just beat him out and really impressed the coaching staff and, um, and earned that spot. I, again, I keep saying earn that spot, but I, you know, I, I think that's, that's what we're seeing here is through camp with the new coaching staff, all of these guys had to kind of interview for their jobs again. And, um, and Newton coming in as a transfer um, from Monroe to, to take that spot is, is big. And, and, and he's going to have to be a a big contributor. Um, And, and the, or next to Noah Daniels. So, so it's, it's Newton one and then Daniels or Ish Burdine as the two at that, at that, cornerback slot and uh you know ish got a lot of praise and um from from the receiving group i I think tay barber kind of said he was one of the toughest guys to go against on the team so that is 
that's high praise um, in in a cornerback room and and defensive backfield that includes so much talent. Um, I think the other thing of note here is at the other cornerback spot. Uh, yeah, that's I was just about to say that. Or after the THT, Travis yeah. Hodges Tomlinson is listed as an or with K on store on the death chart, and this I have to think that this is a injury question. Um, he's, he's had, I don't know if it's wrist or hand or something like that. He's, he's had a little bit of a, a knock and Dykes reassured everybody that he was good to go. He's good to play, but still listed on this depth chart with an oar at, at the starting cornerback spot for a guy who's a two time first team, all big 12 preseason, all big 12, you know, expected to be one of the, the top defensive backs in the country. Um, maybe it says big, great things about Keon Stewart. Um, yeah. maybe it's an injury thing, but it it's curious to see. Well, I think Stewart is certainly going to play this. You know, oh, he's yeah. going to get a fair share of his minutes. Like, cause coming into the year, I expected the five members of the secondary. Well, even aside from rotation, obviously like the starters to be THT, Hodges Tomlinson, Keon Stewart, Noah Daniels, Bud Clark, and Nook, who is now Millard Bradford. Um, and those were kind of the guys. And, you know, Josh Newton coming in. Now I'm very excited to see how he's going to play, uh, earning that starting spot over Noah Daniels, who even had like a lot of, you know, PFF hype and everything, pro football focus hype uh, coming in the last season even. But, yeah, that Daniels, the, there's a little – in, I don't even know what goes on. It was kind of just a big question mark all last season. The stuff that was going on, it hung cool. over all last season, yeah. and it, it it seems to be continuing into this season as well. So, yeah, so we'll see. Not... Yeah, and and I think the the other cool thing on on this depth chart is that Mark Perry gets a start at safety. He's a Colorado transfer, so he gets to to start game one against his former team. Um, so you know. Hopefully, you know, he knows all the plays and he's going to be able to. Oh, yeah. He's like a double agent, basically. <laughs> he's he's, they, yeah, he's not going to change up anything. Agent. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think it's, you know, they've already been, uh, the TCU athletic department has already been including him as like on the poster art and like the, the game art and, and all of that stuff. He's he's the promo face for this game. So that's it's kind of exciting for him to go back into to his former home stadium and, and – uh, as a starter for the TCU defense. Yeah. I wonder how that's got to feel, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how I would be, what would be going through my mind during that, you know, cause it's always like the, it's different with college. I feel like than it is NFL, you know, like a player gets traded and plays his former team. Like it's a business, but it's like, business, right. But like college is, you know, a little more heart and soul goes into it. So yeah, that'll be fun for him. Um, and special teams, you know, not really, much to say there. Uh, Griffin Kell, starter again. Jordy Sandy, starter again. Um, I mean, unless you really have any big eye-popping things, like Darius Davis as a return man, pretty expected. Yeah, you know, I, I like. <laughs> I think it's fun seeing Shadrach Banks as the, the fourth guy on the kick return yeah. list. I've just tried to uh, – he's listed at 250. I mean, I, I can't imagine sprinting down the field – you know, 70 yards and trying to tackle a guy that's 250 <laughs> sprinting back at you. Like, man, that sounds frightening. So, yeah. you know, if, if he's, <laughs> if he gets like ahead of Steve, look out. Yeah. that I would not want to tackle that for sure. 
All right, and that wraps up the depth chart, I believe. Yeah, and then we got the, of course, the uh, just career start stats over here with Duggan leading the way, followed by Tay Barber. And all righty, I'm going to, again, do some technology here. Beep, boop, beep, bop. There we go. Screen's gone. All right. Now, that brings us to our predictions for this weekend's game, or not this weekend, Friday's game. Primetime game, baby. America's going to be watching. Um, I mean, it's primetime for you. It's late night for us <laughs> yeah. back here in God's time here in Central Time Zone, man. 9 o'clock p.m. ESPN. Yeah, you're right. I know I know all the students at TCU are loving it, though. Like, Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to pour, you know, cups of coffee. I'm going to have to have lots of – I'm going to put a full pot on. Make I remember, game, you know? I think our last like 9 p.m. game, I think it was like a Thursday when we played Purdue. Um, I think it was on like a Thursday or Friday, but it was a night game. And I remember because I was pledging during that. Oh, boy. And we went to a bar and I just remember singing the we just had to get in a line. And every time we scored, riff, ramp, bah, zoo, <laughs> and we had to do it in front of like the whole bar. It was pretty fun. It was a great, great time. Yeah. Um, but all right, so yeah, obscure time, but I like it because America's going to be watching. You know, it'll be oh, a little yeah. bit more of a test oh, yeah. rather than just the normal 11 a.m. games, which are now 9 a.m. I'm going to be waking up at 9 a.m., man, for these games. That's brutal. You got to you gotta build a tailgate time, too. You, you got to prep <laughs> for those games. You, you got to start at like 6 a.m. Yeah, 6 <laughs> or 7 with, you know, like maybe some Baileys in my coffee or some go. mimosa, you know, but... All right, um, so just kind of more in depth. I, I don't remember the exact score. I think I had it at like 27-14, something pretty low scoring. Um, but I do have TCU winning on Friday by a couple of possessions. I think for some reason, I don't really have a great in-depth analysis explanation as to why. I just think it's going to be a relatively low scoring game, get our feet underneath our offense. I think our defense is going to play really well against a not-so-illustrious Colorado offense. And I think Kendra Miller, barring any injury concerns, um, based on the oars on the depth chart, I'm, I think he's going to have a feast, but now it makes me a little bit more nervous seeing all those oars next to his name, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, th I think there you might be onto something with, like, a slow start here because I could definitely see some just – some nerves from the players, nerves from the coaching staff. Um, you know, this is, it's everybody's first game, yeah, right? So, I mean, new, it's, there's, yeah, thing. it's, who knows? And, and yeah, going into a, a tough place to play on the road, it'll be, um, it'll be a big moment that, you know, it, it may take a few possessions to, to really get things rolling. Um, I think especially defensively, where you hope that you don't give up stuff big plays, big, big plays early, yeah. you know, kind of, kind of killed us, kind of hold the, out. hold the dam a little bit so that you, you don't let them break through early. And then once you've got your, your legs, then things will settle in, but you, you don't want to dig into to too deep a hole too early. I think. Yeah. Um, that I think the first quarter is going to be – I mean, obviously it goes without saying that the first quarter is important, but it's going to be really important. It's especially you know, you're, important. You're facing a 7-0 deficit after 15 minutes. You know, it's kind of like your whole game plan changes. You know, it's more like, okay, guys, we, we got to win this. Like, this is our first game. We can't start out like this. Like, so it'll be huge. Um, 
odds for the game, though, Vegas has it at TCU. We said last time it was 10 and a half. It has since this moved. Is, this is crazy, dude. This, uh, the, I don't know, three, four weeks ago when we looked at it, it was like, oh, it's seven and a half. TCU's going to cover that crazy easy. easy. Yeah, like, easy. oh, let's go. Yeah. Don't even worry about it. Then, like a couple weeks later, it's oh, it's t- it's it's gotten up to ten and a half. There's been a lot of movement, a lot of money on TCU. How about that? That's pretty cool. Ten and a half. Now it's it, at DraftKings. It's at fourteen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, just moved from thirteen and a half. Yeah. So we're we're talking about a two touchdown favorite on the road to open the season with a new coaching staff, yeah. an unknown quarterback. Uh, that's. Vegas that's, knows something though, man. That's heavy. That's a lot. And and yeah, obviously they the number keeps going up. So somebody keeps putting a lot of money on. That's what I said. I think just people keep pouring money on the frogs. And like, I I don't I don't know. At, at 14, I'm nervous. I've been Same. like, oh, it's gonna be two touchdowns for sure. Two touchdowns, but once it's it, like actually at the number, it's at, like, oh that's two, touch, two touchdowns. That's uh. a big point spread. Yeah. And then the over under is honestly pretty, pretty decently or relatively high. It's at 55 and a half. Uh, so kind of expected. Nah, forget it. TCU scoring at least 56. So go uh, ahead TCU's and take your over. breaking it 56 nothing. It's easy. No, you know, I, I've got this is just this is not uh, like analytical thing. My gut here says TCU either wins by 24 points or loses by three. Yeah, that's, I can see that too. With that's what I like see that happening here. Idea. Boom or bust. I, because TCU, I think, is clearly a more talented team. And this, I, I, I'm not trying to like. I, I think TCU could lose this game. I think it's, it's very, very it's, it's it's in the realm of possibility. You know, Boulder's going to be rocking. On it's gonna it's gonna be an exciting game. But TCU is more talented than Colorado right now, and. If they play well, it should be a it should be twenty four points. Even Win this they, game, walking away, and yeah. and you know have a nice flight back. Um, but even if they if play mediocre, they, they should win. Yeah, <clears throat> but if they don't gel and things start spiraling, I TCU can lose this game. I think it could it would be a close loss. I don't think TCU gets blown out. I don't but see I think, that yeah. I, I, and I also don't really see TCU winning a close game. I think it's either going to be TCU's romping or um, like kind of a what's it, going on. Type yeah, game. yeah, yeah. I can um, get behind that. There's going to be probably no gray area, just black or white, one of the two. So and I mean, it's at 24 points. <laughs> yeah, my my official position from Frogs of War continues to be TCU's going to win big, and mostly it's going to be the the passing game that makes it happen on offense the the colorado defense is super inexperienced um a lot of freshmen um and i i don't think particularly excellent freshmen i think that you know they've, they've got they've got talent back there and it's power five talent but it, it, you look at this depth chart of of receiver and, and running back talent from tcu and it's scary good, I yeah. think. It and, is, yeah. <clears throat> and I can see I can see QJ going off and being a superstar. I can see three, four other guys. I mean, you know, I could see Barber, Davis, Henderson each having like 
four for 45 and a touchdown. I could, you know, um, I I think there, there is a more experience for Colorado up front on defense and offense. Um, So that's where if they can get pressure on whoever is quarterback for TCU, then I'm worried um, because I don't, I don't know how well that's going to go for, for Max or for Chandler. Um, or for Sam. Or for Sam. Uh, I don't know. I think it could go fine for Sam. I think he's Honestly, gonna, yeah, he's going to outrun whatever is coming his way. That yeah, so you know legs. maybe that's maybe maybe that's why you you go ahead and roll with him. But um, so so that's that's the path to losing is that front from that defensive front gets to the quarterback and doesn't allow those receivers to get loose. But I, I think the receivers go nuts here and. And yeah, have a field day. That. That's yeah, that's my that. that's my official stance from Frogs of War. Especially you know week one, I want to see all the receivers get involved, spread the love, you know. And I bet, especially with three different quarterbacks playing, they probably everybody's got their their eyes on somebody, right? Yeah, yeah they all sure. have a different relationship with each receiver. So yeah, I'm sure they'll they'll probably be looking different ways than one another. So, um, all right, yeah. This also just speaking of the Colorado matchup, I really like. Overall, just the fact that we're opening on the road against a Power 5 team that we should beat. You know, it's not like we're going to Death Valley to play Clemson or something, you know. So um, I really like this. It's good for our non-conference schedule. It's not a cupcake game like, you know, most teams are starting out with, as we'll see in the Big 12. Um, So, yeah, I'm I'm just kind of happy to see that we're doing this. It's a nice little test, you know, to start the year. Yeah, I mean it. It does appear that Vegas thinks this might be a cupcake game. Oh, I know it's it's scaring me. I'm Which staying is, away from it. I, I, uh, I don't like it. It's making me yeah. nervous. <laughs> I can never pick anything. I just I don't. I stay away from bias on TCU games because I can't. I'm always going to think the frogs are going to do it. But all right, so around the Big Twelve elsewhere, uh, we got a few decent games, and then the rest are mostly. Yeah, there's game. there's only four other games that are against FBS teams, and only one of those is against an, a, another Power Five team. So, yeah, there's only one real yeah, that's, other game in the Big Twelve this week, and I think it's going to be a great game. Oh man, I'm I'm super excited for it. It's one of the the first games to to open the season. So yeah, the the backyard brawl is back. Um, West Virginia goes to Pitt. Um, you know, you, you've got the the former USC quarterbacks are are now transfers on other sides. You know, uh, Keaton Slovis, who took uh, JT Daniels' job at USC, is the is the pit quarterback, and JT Daniels is the West Virginia quarterback. Yeah, so it's, bad it's blood up, up so and down. Hard. Fan bases are probably don't like each other. The, the the players don't like each other. So it's exciting to get this rivalry game straight off from the the first game of the season. Yeah, and this this just shows how crazy the quarterback transfer portal is. It's just it's almost too much to keep up with. Like, because my buddy was saying he was like picking Pitt to win the ACC, and I'm like, dude, that's not a good pick. They just lost, you know, Kenny Pickett, but he was like, no, they got Slovis, and I'm like, yeah, and yeah, but I was like, oh, I kind of forgot Slovis is there, even though Slovis has not lived up to expectations once in his collegiate career yet, but who knows, maybe this will be the year, but no, I think that'll be a really good game. Uh, Pitt is favored by seven and a half points. Uh, 
Although, I mean, do, are we going to make picks on these? Do we want to I mean, make I, picks? The, the others of these, I, I don't know. Who really cares, honestly? Yeah, like, you're right. Are this they going to win by 38 or 37? I don't know, whatever. But yeah. um, in this game, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I'm i going West Virginia. I'm, I'm like all in on the Mountaineers. I don't know. I, I just kind of like there's there's they're not getting a lot of love i think there's a lot of people down on them for the season and that oh they lost a bunch of transfers and and all of that is true um but if it and oh well jt daniels lost his job to keaton slovis and then lost his job to uh stetson bennett and well you know he's not really that good but i I don't think we really even know whether he's good or not yeah. And I think he could come out in this game, and they have really good receivers. Yeah, that, he's definitely uh, more set up in this <clears throat> offense to thrive than he would have in like the Georgia offense. Yeah, for sure. So I, I think seven and a half is too many, and I think West Virginia can definitely win that game. I agree. Yeah, I think that's going to be a. I think it's going to end up being kind of one of the better games to watch this weekend, just in terms of back and forth, really close. I'm excited for that one. Um, and yeah, so elsewhere, like you said, it's who's going to win by 38 or 35. It's big, big programs against not so big programs. And that's Oklahoma State against Central Michigan. And they are 21 and a half point favorites at home. No surprise there. I wouldn't even be surprised if they covered that. Um, another one, Oklahoma, 31 and a half point favorites against UTEP. I don't. I don't want to see UTEP lost to North Texas at home in week one or in week zero. Yeah. And now they have to go to Norman. Um, Again, I, I I think Oklahoma could, I think they could cover that. I mean, they could probably win this like 45 to six. Yeah. I could see like 70 to. Yeah. No, honestly, (laughs) probably not that bad. Honestly, UTEP really isn't. They'd slow down. They take everybody out. Just kneel it out. Yeah. Um, and I, last but not least, uh, you know, our, our good friends over in Austin, uh, Texas, 37 and a half point favorites at home against Louisiana Monroe. And I am definitely going to be taking Louisiana Monroe. To <laughs> 37 and a half. Get out of here. That's what I'm saying. Like, that's too much. I mean, if Oklahoma state's only 21 and a half against central Michigan, then. Well, on. to be fair, Louisiana Monroe is much worse than know, central yeah, Michigan. Yeah, they have not done much of anything. <laughs> All right, and we don't really need to talk about everybody else plays FCS games. Yeah. So, you know, we'll 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 talk about the TCU FCS game next week, but uh but for it's now we'll take the moral high ground and say none of these cupcakes. Get out of here with your cupcakes. Yeah, because you know, we're the big dogs that waited till week two to play a yeah. cupcake, <laughs> like a respectable program does. <laughs> All right, um, and non-Big 12 games of the week. Outside of the conference, there are a decent amount of top 25 games, uh, and even outside of the rankings, just good matchups in general. And probably the biggest one is Oregon at Georgia, um, and that's in Atlanta, uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium. And (sighs) Georgia is a 17-point favorite, which is just absurd for a top five matchup. Just absurd. Well, not top five, but you know, what is Oregon? I think 11. Yeah. They're, they're hovering around there. I mean, that's, yeah. it's, it's the kind of thing of like, you would think it should be like a big playoff implications kind of game. Like, Oh, these are national brands. They could be fighting. But uh, 
the consensus seems to be that Georgia's just a whole lot better than Oregon, which is and I is think they are because they're a whole lot better than everyone. Yeah, I think they um, are. It's just 17 against Oregon, game one. Like, I don't know. That's a lot of points. I don't know. How'd they do against Bo Nix every other time they've played them? Probably fine. <laughs> yeah. So, Wait, that's true, I guess. <laughs> I, I got to see these quarterbacks, man. They're throwing me off. Like, <laughs> I got to think about this. Oh. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, I am I'm very high on Oregon this season, so you know, I I don't know what the uh the money line is, but it's got at, at plus 17, it's got to be like plus 300 or something. Oh, it's got to be more than that. It's got to be like plus 550 plus 600. Yeah, you know, I I think I'd like to I'd like to pick Oregon to win. Maybe you know, if I'm it. if I'm in like a little pick 'em pool, I wouldn't because it's almost certainly a loss, and everybody else is going to take a game on you. But I don't know. I kind of, I'm kind of hoping for a little bit of an upset there. And you know, Georgia, they already won their national championship. They're kind of riding high. I would love they, to see it. Yeah, I would love to see an upset because I think that'll also make the Pac-12 race a lot more interesting. Um, and We'll and the playoff to, race. It's, yeah, exactly. You know, it's 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 a season long national implication where if Georgia wins, it's just okay. Well, all right. Well, they're in the playoff. Let's fast forward to the end of the season. Yeah, I, I love watching these kind of games though as a fan because, like you said, it is season long implications. So it's like almost nice not having that stress of being a part of it. <laughs> you know, like if the, if that was my team, that was TCU in there. Oh, I'd be sweating all game. I would be sweating, but. Watching them battle it out, it's great. Just grab the popcorn. Like, watch right. it happen. So, another huge one. And this one is a top five matchup with Notre Dame and Ohio State. And that's been played in Columbus at the Horseshoe. And again, Ohio State are 17 point favorites, which I would say is ridiculous for a top five matchup. But Notre Dame loses every big game. Like <laughs> it's it's just true. They do. Yeah, they lose. Yeah. Like I saw a graphic, and I think their record is like. And they lose bad when they lose when they play those good teams. They get smashed. They're like That's... two and twenty nine or something in the past. Yeah. Certain. I don't even know. I don't want to quote the stats. I don't know for sure, but it was bad. They lose a lot of games against ranked opponents in recent history. So I wouldn't be too surprised if Ohio State covered it. If I'm being honest, uh, seventeen point win. I would. I'm I'm agreeing with you absolutely. I would take Oregon or Oregon State, Ohio State. I wish it was Oregon State, no, Ohio yeah. State in, in that one. They're, yeah, they're covering seventeen at home. I mean, you know, this was the kind of thing. Though last season, it was Oregon playing at the Horseshoe, beating right. yeah, Ohio right. State to open the season, and it was it was a huge shock. And and um, so. Stranger things have happened, but uh, I don't think Notre Dame's team. Yeah, I don't think Notre Dame's team to do it. So that's kind of a bummer, you know. It's like, oh yeah, we get a top five matchup week one. Oh, it's Notre Dame. (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay, right. right. Mm. All right, Um, and then kind of going down the rankings a little bit, and I think this is nineteen against twenty-three. Cincinnati is traveling to Arkansas to take on the Razorbacks. And Arkansas are six and a half point favorites in that one, which I think is going to be really interesting to see kind of how both teams adjust. Uh, you know, like Arkansas, they lost a couple of key guys like Traylon Burks. Cincinnati lost a couple of key guys like Sauce Gardner, Desmond Ritter. So it'll be interesting to see, especially how Cincinnati kind of transitions from, 
you know, Ritter was a huge part of what they were doing the past few years. So I'm curious to yeah. see. I, I like Cincinnati in this one, though, to cover. Not to win, but I like them to cover. Yeah, see. It's tough, though. I don't think so. I'm going Arkansas. I, I'll take the other side of you on this one. But I can see it. You know, the, the thing – one thing Cincinnati did the same like or starting quarterback thing. So they, they have not officially named a successor to Ritter. Um, so which was a little disappointing. I thought Evan Prater was just going to take that job and, and be obviously the guy. Um, so that's, that's unfortunate. And it's, it, yeah, it's at Arkansas. That's, that's the thing that scares me. That's a tough place to play. You know, that's, it's not the same as Cincinnati playing Notre Dame last season and, and like, I don't know, Indiana or whatever that their big games were. I think this is Arkansas might be, and I guess it's hard to say they're getting slept on because they're like a top 25 team and they are getting lots of love and they're favored in this game. But I think Arkansas wins by a touchdown at, at least. And yes, they lost Traylon Burks, but they brought in uh, Jadon Hazelwood from Oklahoma, five-star recruit. You know, like he was the top wide receiver in the country in 2019, something like that. So I don't know. I think they're, I think they're primed, and, and their offense is going to be exciting. We don't have to mention who their offensive coordinator is because it, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it rhymes with smiles. Um, anyway, it, yeah, but. Their offense is going to be good, and Rocket Sanders at running back, and KJ Jefferson, and all that. So I like their I like their squad, and I think they win that game and cover that spread. Honestly, this is kind of one that I'm I'm going to stay away from. Uh, but it's too dangerous. There's too many unknowns. Yeah, and I think you're right though that they could. Def- I could see it going either way. I just kind of like I like Cincinnati, so I want to side with Cincinnati a little bit more. Hope they I hope they can bounce back and be kind of that the group of five champion yeah, that everybody needs them to be. It's not the Cincinnati though that has Joe Burrow, so it's uh, yeah, it's it's not it's not your Cincinnati. Yeah, I know, I know, but all right. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I didn't even realize yeah, I'm wearing this today. But <laughs> all right, another big game is not a top twenty-five matchup, but it's pretty darn close to being one, and that's Utah traveling to the swamp to take on Florida, and Utah is surprisingly as the number seven team in the country. Only two and a half point favorites in the swamp this weekend. And as we talked about on our Pac 12 predictions, I'm high on Utah. I'm high on the Utes this year. I took their over nine wins. I took them to win the Pac 12. I take them to go to the playoffs. And to get to the playoffs, you can't lose in the swamp week one. They're winning this game. Two and a half points? Come on. That's not a lot of points. I can't see, believe it's that. Uh, see, I can't. I can't decide what this line is telling us. This, <laughs> no, this it line might be is a trap. This line is very tricky. Is it a trap? Yeah. For like really, really, really square people who are like, oh, that's a game at Florida, the swamp. They obviously should be favored over some terrible Pac-12 team. Who cares? Or is it a trap against like people who are like fake smart like me i don't know what i'm talking about but i know utah's good they should yeah, say like, <laughs> so like who are we trapping either way vegas wins um but i i don't know maybe maybe i'm like way too sec oh no i picked oregon to beat georgia so i can't be accused of any sec uh, <laughs> over bias here so i think florida beats utah in the swamp i think uh. they 
they cover the two and a half. Uh, and not only that, they, they win this game. Um, Utah had a, uh, had a fun, cute season. They uh, went to the Rose Bowl and did not win. And uh, almost did. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, whatever. Look, I, I'm I'm from an era where uh, you hate Utah. I, I know. Like, I don't I like Utah. I don't like. I don't want like Utah too, to win. Okay? I I grew up watching those games. I I went to college game day Listen, with a okay, poster. Of, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I was I was one of those little kids just like trying to get up to the fence. All you know, I'm saying is, I want the Utes to lose this game and every other game that they play generally. So I. I Give me Anthony Richardson to uh, to stomp on on the Utes. See, look, I, I agree in the sense that I'm, it's not like I'm a Utah guy, but if we're talking about betting, like sports betting angles, entertainment purposes only, of course. You know, I like to put my brain – I like to separate my brain and my heart. And maybe that's the wrong decision. Maybe it's the wrong decision <laughs> because you're right, though. This does kind of scare me, the fact that it's – because I it, I saw that when I first looked at it, that just jumped off the screen. Like two and a half points against an unranked Florida team. I, like you said, though, I don't know which side to be scared of. Like, oh, did they do this because it's a swamp, or did they do this because people would know? Like they knew people would bet on Utah. Like, are, are they baiting? Which way are they like drawing you? It's, yeah, yeah, you know they're scheming something. It just so. means it's a good line. Yeah, they're they're too good at their jobs. Yeah, and I think another really good line is this is an unranked game. And that's Penn State at Purdue. And that has the Nittany Lions favored by three and a half points. And I actually have Purdue as a little sleeper in the Big Ten. I don't know. I don't know. I've been feeling it lately. So I think I'm going to go with Purdue plus three and a half at home. Sleeper in the Big Ten saying uh, too much. Well, like, not so. Okay. Um, well, are they in the West Division? Are they in the other division? I don't know the division. Yeah, they're not anymore. Ohio State. Okay, division. so if they're yeah. in the other division, I, I think. Okay, sure. They I maybe, maybe they make division. it to. The, okay. <laughs> uh, fair enough. Then that's 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 fair. I think I, I'm with you though. I, I like Purdue a lot in this game. I think this is another home underdog that. Uh, you know, everybody's excited that Sean Clifford's back for Penn State. That's what. Why would that's you what. Be? That's what we're excited about. Yeah, that's why, why would you that's why we're high on Penn State. I don't know about that. Um, I think this is a trap line for Penn State because yeah. a lot of people are like, "Oh, Penn State, oh, big program, yeah. like three and a half oh, points." Purdue, Purdue, they're terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I can see this being a trap. I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm with you though. I, I like Purdue in this game. All right, and then last but not least of uh, kind of the big games outside the Big Twelve is. Florida State against LSU, and that's in New Orleans. And kind of surprising, Florida State are only three-point underdogs. And, I, you know, they played Duquesne in week one. Yeah. What is that going to tell you? You know, not much. So I don't know what to think about this. Um, yeah, I mean, TCU I mean played LSU. Duquesne in, uh, early in the season last year and then went out and lost to SMU right after. Yeah. So. Uh, beating Duquesne is no indication of being a good football team. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one is, this one is tricky too. This is, this is a great game. This And, and this is one, is this Sunday night or Monday night? It's one of those, like, because it's, you know, Labor Day weekend, they have games all through the weekend. So, and before NFL starts, um, I don't, yeah, this is, this is one of those standalone games where the whole country is going to be watching 
And it could be one of those where either the whole country uh, is making fun of Brian Kelly and his dumb Louisiana fake accent and like and dancing with 360 cameras. <laughs> like, like, yeah, ooh. yeah, the 360 cam and all of that. Or they're making fun of Florida State for just crapping the bed again, again, and again. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, so it's this will be a very much, uh, I think Twitter will be ablaze, whatever's going on in this game. Um, and I just don't know how LSU loses or wins by less than three points in New Orleans in this game. You know, I don't. I don't know that Florida State is all that good. I think Jordan Travis as quarterback is kind of interesting. I think he's a good player, but LSU is just they're they're stacked with talent even if it's not like to 2019 levels. Um and even if they're the quarterback room is kind of weird and I don't know that I ever will trust Brian Kelly as a coach. Yeah. <laughs> all of that said, I still I, I still can't go against the Tigers in the state of Louisiana. I just can't. Yeah, I think I got to lean towards LSU. Um, and I don't want to compare FSU to Texas, but when they're not, they haven't been back, man. They're, they haven't been back. Like you said, they just. Yeah, I mean, they, you're right there. You you definitely can't compare FSU to Texas. Florida State won a national championship recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there we go. I like it. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think they got to get some major adjustment. I don't know if Norvell is the guy. I think they got to bring in somebody that can build a program from the ground up because it's all, they're almost at that point. Um, but yeah, I think I lean LSU, although that is definitely the square pick, which scares me. I, but sometimes it's the right pick, like, you know, so that'll be a good game. I can't express enough just how exciting it is that college football is finally here. It is best time of the year for all us sports junkies out there um so i know both of us i'm sure anthony i can speak for you when i say we're gonna be glued our eyes glued to the tv from kickoff till the last whistle on saturday no doubt yeah no so, doubt all righty though that is gonna be it for this week's episode we're gonna be back with another one with a uh, week one reaction after the colorado game and kind of looking ahead to the rest or SMU, I guess, or not SMU, Tarleton State in week two. Uh, so, yeah, if you guys stayed the whole time, appreciate you listening, and we will be back next time out. Go Frogs. Go Frogs. <laughs>